Hello, everyone. Good morning, and welcome to the Highway Community's weekly podcast. I'm Julie Peterson, one of the pastors here on staff, and I am so glad you're here, whether you're joining in live or after the fact. Thanks for being with us. Today, we're continuing on in our teaching series entitled Highway Volume 2. God calls His people to be shaped by the life and teaching of Jesus. This call is extended not only to individuals, but also to the body of believers, the Church. So, as we enter into a new volume of ministry at Highway, throughout this teaching series, we're exploring what it looks like for our Church, for the Highway community, to be shaped by the person of Jesus and His command that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. As we opened our series, we reflected on the way that Jesus was connected to the Father. He modeled loving God through a regular, consistent rhythm of prayer. Highway Volume 2 is a community that seeks to be connected to the Father and be transformed by His heart. Jesus lived a life on mission, announcing and demonstrating God's upside-down kingdom. He modeled loving others by living missionally. In Volume 2, we're orienting ourselves anew around living under God's rule and reign through missional living. And we're doing this together, in community. Jesus sent His disciples out, two by two, connected to the Father, in order to love God and love others together. These three acts, loving God, loving others, and doing this together, are formative. And, as David shared, when we're connected to and transformed by God and pursue Jesus' mission with one another, through the power of the Holy Spirit, this is manifest in our character. Last week, David shared the way this truth is evidenced in the character trait of humility. When we're connected to God's heart and live as sent ones to represent Him in our time and place, God creates in us a humble heart. And today, we're looking at how this truth is seen in and connected to the way that God creates in us a character of welcome. When we're connected to God and on mission with others, God creates in us a welcoming heart. This is no better seen and no better conveyed than through Jesus' life and His teaching. So let's jump right on in. Today's passage takes us to the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bible or want to follow along on your app, please make your way to Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. We read, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. 
Our passage today takes us to a dinner party hosted by Simon the Pharisee. As a Pharisee, he was a member of the religious elite and a person of esteem and power. He's invited Jesus to be his guest of honor, and, as was often the case when someone hosted a rabbi in their home, word is getting out. And people are welcome to come by to learn from the teacher. Well, Jesus has been blowing people's minds with his teaching and his demonstration of authority, healing and forgiving sins. And, as God would have it, the word has spread to a woman who's lived a sinful life. This woman hears that Jesus will be at this dinner party, and she's so moved that she grabs some ointment, which was in a flask made of alabaster, suggesting that it was good and expensive perfume, and she heads on over. There isn't a single recorded word of hers in this passage, but her actions speak louder than words. First, she sees and stands behind Jesus. To get a picture of this, it's helpful to know that in ancient Near Eastern dining, guests often reclined around a low table at special meals, their sandals removed and their feet behind them, away from the table. And behind their feet would be space for those who served the meal to bring food. Jesus is reclined to eat, and the woman is standing in that space behind him, by his feet, positioned to reach out and encounter him. Then, overcome with emotion, she cries. She cries, and her tears fall onto Jesus' unwashed feet. And then she wipes those tears with her hair. She's low at the level of his feet, and her hair is unfastened, which is striking, because in Jesus' day, it was shameful for women to have their hair down in public. But this doesn't deter her. She is so moved. She is so moved that she also kisses Jesus' feet. Now, kissing someone's feet isn't common today, and it really wasn't all that common in Jesus' day either. In fact, it was typically only seen when someone had a debt forgiven or had been freed, such as a prisoner who had been pardoned or released. And then, following all this, she takes that alabaster flask of ointment, likely filled with perfume that's cost about a year's wages, and pours it on Jesus' feet. She anoints him with this costly perfumed oil. The woman's acts stand out. In fact, they're shocking. By kissing Jesus' feet, she's violating the mosaic laws of the clean and unclean. And she's crossing a religious boundary in front of religious boundary keepers. Yet, Jesus allows her to do all of this. Just as her actions spoke volumes, Jesus' silence did as well. Jesus' silence spoke acceptance of her and acceptance of her gift of love. Now the host, Simon the Pharisee, notices all of these things and thinks to himself, if Jesus were actually a prophet, surely he'd know what's been unsaid at this dinner party and known by others about this woman. Surely he'd know that this woman is a sinner, that this woman whom he's allowed to touch him is an unclean person. Well, as Simon internally expresses this doubt that Jesus is a prophet, 
Jesus ironically and fittingly reveals that he is a prophet by responding to what's been unsaid by Simon. Let's go back to our text. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. In response to Simon's doubts that he knows this woman, Jesus tells a parable to reveal the way in which he truly knows her and the way that he truly sees her. And he tells this parable to reveal what love looks like. Jesus tells a story about two debtors who have two things in common. Both owe a debt they cannot pay, and both have their debts forgiven. But their responses to this forgiveness were different. Jesus invites Simon to compare these responses by way of the measure of their love for the moneylender. And he affirms Simon's supposition that the one who had the bigger debt, 500 denarii, which was more than a year's wage for the average worker, that this person will love more than the one who owed a tenth of that amount. Jesus likens the person with a bigger debt owed, who'd have a greater measure of love. He likens this person to the woman. And through this, he makes the point that he sees and knows her as someone who loves him deeply. He doesn't see or know her as less than because of flawed choices she's made. And he doesn't define her by the choices of her past. Jesus sees that the woman whose life was marked by wrongdoing has a deeper love for him than the Pharisee whose life is marked by right living. This was revealed in what the woman did and what Simon didn't do. While it wasn't a requirement, good and gracious hosts would supply water for guests to wash their feet. Simon did not. Good and gracious hosts would greet the teacher with a kiss and provide oil to anoint them. Simon did not. Basically, Simon is sort of mailing it in and doing just basic host stuff that he has to do. Yet for the woman, it wasn't about the stuff she had to do. It was about what she couldn't not do. The woman, an uninvited guest, lavishes on Jesus these acts of hospitality which are motivated by and enveloped in love for him. She can't not welcome Jesus. 
And this is because she's demonstrating the kind of love that Jesus paints in the parable, a love that is born out of and in response to an extravagant gift. This gift is also rooted in a posture of humbleness. This is because there's a realization that there's something received that's undeserved or unreachable. The woman welcomes Jesus in ways her host does not because the undeserved and unreachable welcome she's received in Jesus has birthed love, love, which is alive within her. She welcomes Jesus because she's received welcome in him, in the Messiah. She is accepted and not rejected. He boldly welcomes and accepts her by receiving her extravagant gifts of love, irregardless of clean and unclean laws. Jesus shows us what is true for all Christ followers through him, as was written by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, verse 4. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Paul goes on in verse 6 saying, But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. Christ's followers have been released from the law of Moses into a new covenant in Jesus. We've been released in order to bear good fruit and serve in the new way of the Spirit. And Jesus is doing just that. Jesus is doing just that as he welcomes an outsider by including her, including her into his community by receiving her acts of love and affirming her and seeing her humble and repentant spirit. And Jesus welcomes her and includes her into his community by forgiving her. This woman, who was bound by the wrongs of her past, was set free, like a prisoner freed from bondage. She, who was heavy laden by a crushed weight of debt, had that debt lifted from her, she was pardoned from a debt that she could never pay. Through Jesus, she is liberated. Through Jesus, she is set free. This woman received and experienced forgiveness. And Jesus declares her forgiven, confirming what she's already experienced and responded from. In verse 48, we read, Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. After extending welcome and inclusivity to the woman, Jesus sends her away in peace. This peace, biblical peace, or shalom in Hebrew, gets at the idea of things being brought to right, or the way God intended things to be. It can look like completeness or restoration. It can look like the flourishing that existed in the garden before humanity broke from God. Another way of thinking of shalom is wholeness, 
the wholeness that is manifest when God's kingdom breaks into our time and our place. This is biblical peace. And this is the peace that Jesus sends the woman away with. A peace and a wholeness that is made possible through the welcome she's received in and the forgiveness and inclusion extended to her by the Lord Jesus Christ. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This woman, who was not accepted by others, was accepted by Jesus. We see from the example and teachings of Jesus that he had a bias toward the outsider. He kept company with the poor and the sick and the hurting and the widow and those on the margins. He shows us who we should extend God's love to and welcome to, that is, to all people. Jesus also shows us what it looks like to welcome well. Jesus welcomes the woman by receiving her well and by sending her whole, fully given and fully restored in him. We see from Jesus' example that welcoming people has both a receiving and a sending component. When we welcome people like Jesus and receive them well, they're sent with a greater measure of wholeness than they had when they arrived. They carry something with them as they go. Perhaps that's a sense of belonging, or a well-filled stomach, or inspiration to love someone else in the way they've been loved. As we look to Jesus' example, what could it look like for His body, for the church, to manifest a spirit of welcome by receiving people well? All people, including those who may be unlike us, or may be lost, or left out, or even challenging to notice in the midst of a busy life? What could it look like to welcome these people and send them away more whole? Extending God's welcome well is something Highway desires to do with all that we have and with all that we are. And over the years, by His grace and goodness, God has blessed Highway to be a place of welcome. Highway has been a place of welcome to those experiencing housing insecurity at our Middlefield campus through being a safe and secure place to be and through providing meals. Highway has also hosted brunches to foster a space for older adults through younger folks to build life-giving connection and relationships. And we have, up until the pandemic, annually hosted a free game, music, and candy-filled fun fest called Fallapalooza. And we've welcomed hundreds upon hundreds of children at Vacation Bible School through the presence and efforts of hundreds of Highway volunteers. And as we've sought to welcome people well, through the power of the Holy Spirit, people struggling with housing insecurity have had a good night's rest and satisfying healthy meals. And as senior brunches, intergenerational relationships have formed and blossomed. And as part of welcoming our community, neighborhood children have enjoyed carnival games and mazes and too much candy each fall. And kids have learned about and experienced the love of Christ during a very special week in the summer, while parents received much-needed breaks. 
To the glory of God, he has worked through highway, including working through and despite our shortcomings, to allow us the honor of being a part of his welcome in our city, to receive people well and send them away more whole. The body of Christ is made up of individuals. So, as we look ahead at our new volume of ministry here, I invite you to consider what God may be stirring inside you to personally animate a spirit of welcome in and through Highway. As we enter into and move through an enduring new volume at Highway, what is God stirring inside you to be His arms of welcome and embrace here within our church? Perhaps by volunteering in kids or youth ministry, or by joining the sound or welcome team? And what might God be inviting you into in order for his arms of welcome to be made known tangibly in our neighborhood, or our schools, or our workplaces, or among the least and left out? Perhaps that's through supporting the work at our Middlefield campus, or one of our ministry partners, or something else. You can reach out to us by going to our website, highway.org, with questions, to process ideas, or to sign up for anything you've heard about today. Highway family, through Jesus' life, death, and victory over the cross, we've been extended an extravagant gift. A gift that is undeserved and unreachable on our own. Through the cross, we're God's adopted daughters and sons. Through the cross, the debt we could never pay has been paid in full. Through the cross, we're a new creation and not defined by the wrongs of our past. Through the cross, we're welcomed in and liberated and made whole. And so... May Jesus' extravagant and undeserved and unconditional gift compel us to be God's presence of welcome in our time and place. And through this, by the goodness of God and the gracious power of the Spirit, may others experience wholeness. Church, may being God's presence of welcome be something we can't not do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so very much. Thank you for your love for us, for the way this love was manifest in your Son, Jesus, who traversed time and space to give us something we could never earn, something that we could never deserve. We thank you for Christ's journey of love to the cross, and we pray that out of a spirit of gratitude and humility, that we would be so moved by this undeserved gift that we would extend your love and arms of welcome in all of the places that we've been sent. And in doing so, God, that you'd be glorified and your kingdom would be made known on earth as it is in heaven. May we represent you well, Father God. For it's in the matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.